Hey, welcome to another episode of the Leader Fluent Podcast. My name is Stephen Blandino, and today I'm excited to share with you a lesson that comes straight from my new book, Stop Chasing Easy. One key to stop chasing easy and make your life count is to embrace the right mindset. In other words, how you think is critical if you want to abandon the lure of easy street and pursue a life that makes the greatest difference. Well, in my book, I talk about five mindsets that are essential to stop chasing easy. And in today's episode of Leader Fluent, I want to talk about one of those mindsets, and that is the opportunity mindset. Before I do, let me take a moment and just tell you a little bit about a masterclass for leaders that you get free when you buy my book. The Stop Chasing Easy Masterclass for Leaders is a four-part video series that helps you apply the principles and practices in Stop Chasing Easy to leadership and an organizational context. You'll learn how to develop a growth mindset as a leader. You'll discover the character trait that sets apart the best leaders. You'll learn how to embrace a mission that matters beyond today. And you'll discover the four keys to create forward movement in your organization. Plus, the Masterclass for Leaders comes with a practical application guide so that you can actually put the principles to work today. All of that is free when you buy a copy of Stop Chasing Easy. And not only that, when you purchase the book, you also get immediate access to a four-part sermon series on Stop Chasing Easy. It's actually a study through the book of Philippians, and you get a five-part small group study guide that you can use either for personal reflection or if you're leading a small group with friends or family. So, to order the book and get immediate access to these free bonus resources, simply go to StopChasingEasy.com. There you can learn more about the book, you can place an order, and you can claim your bonuses today. Again, it's StopChasingEasy.com. Well, thanks for listening to the Leader Fluent Podcast. Now, let's jump into today's lesson as I talk about developing an opportunity mindset. I want to open this episode of Leader Fluent by reading the story of Samuel Truett Cathy from Chapter 3 of my book, Stop Chasing Easy. Samuel Truett Cathy is remembered as the successful entrepreneur and founder of Chick-fil-A. Cathy died in 2014, but his quick-service restaurants continue to thrive today. In fact, each Chick-fil-A makes more money per store than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. My wife met Truett Cathy years ago when she worked for an airline in Lexington, Kentucky. She acknowledged who Mr. Cathy was as he was checking in for a flight. His demeanor and response were kind and considerate as he pulled out a copy of his book, Eat More Chicken, Inspire More People, signed it, and then gave it to Karen. While the success of Chick-fil-A is obvious, what you may not know about is the struggle that Truett Cathy experienced along the way. He grew up in the Great Depression and regularly helped his mom in the kitchen while she ran a boarding house. Truett's father lost his farm in the early 20s and eventually sold insurance, but he never fully recovered from his loss. In 1935, they moved into the country's first federally subsidized housing project, Techwood Homes. Truett developed an entrepreneurial spirit early in his life. 
When he was only eight years old, he would buy a six-pack of Coca-Colas for 25 cents and sell them door-to-door -door for a nickel each, making five cents profit per six-pack. Eventually, his sales grew to the point that he was buying 24 Cokes for 80 cents from the Coca-Cola truck, doubling his profit per case. With his profits, he bought a bicycle, and at the age of 12, Truett started his own paper route. He did his best to treat every customer with the greatest respect. I delivered each paper as if I were delivering it to the front door of the governor's mansion, Truett said. With his knack for business and entrepreneurship, he came to understand the importance of taking care of the customer. On May 23, 1946, after serving in the Army during World War II, Truett and his brother Ben opened a 24-hour restaurant, The Dwarf Grill, in Hapeville, Georgia, later renamed The Dwarf House. Sales on that opening day were $58.20. Alternating 12-hour shifts, Truett's focus from his childhood years remained his focus as an adult, serving people. He even sent food to customers during their time of need, whether sick in the hospital or grieving the loss of a family member. It was Truett's belief that every customer should be treated like the President of the United States. Truett's hard work paid off. In 1967, he opened the first Chick-fil-A. The A is capitalized on purpose to mean grade A top quality. He opened the store in a 384-square-foot space in Greenbrier Mall in Atlanta, Georgia. Today, Chick-fil-A has over 2,500 restaurants and has received multiple awards for their customer service and workplace environment. Truett Cathy's success is quite impressive, and from the outside, it would be easy to think he had a relatively easy path forward. But Truett didn't travel down Easy Street to arrive at so much success. Quite the opposite. Hardship found a friend in Truett, all the way back to his childhood. When Truett was selling Coca-Cola's door-to-door, he had a speech impediment so bad that he couldn't even pronounce his own name. In 1949, Truett's brothers, Ben and Horace, both licensed pilots, tragically died in a plane crash as they flew to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Truett later wrote, The loss hit me particularly hard on Monday morning. When I saw where Ben made out the report sheet on Saturday morning in good health, I realized again that he would never be back, and my tears flowed. That wasn't the end of Truett's troubles. In 1951, he opened a second location of the Dwarf Grill, but on February 24, 1960, he received a phone call at 1.30 in the morning. Mr. Cathy, your restaurant in Forest Park is on fire. Shortly after arriving on the scene, he found a host of firemen working vigorously to put out the fire. Suddenly, the roof collapsed, and everything was destroyed. The worst part? Truett only had $25,000 worth of insurance, not near enough to cover his loss. If things weren't bad enough, two days later, Truett mentioned to his wife, Jeanette, that he had passed some blood. After she insisted he see a doctor, Truett scheduled an appointment only to discover he had polyps in his colon and would need to have surgery. Following a painful recovery, the polyps returned six months later, and a second surgery was scheduled to remove 12 inches of Truett's colon. While we admire his success, the hardships made Truett Cathy. He later said, 
The history of Chick-fil-A, in fact, is a series of unexpected opportunities. When we respond to them, we often found ourselves richly blessed. The Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich itself was born in the wake of an unexpected opportunity. When one of my first two restaurants burned to the ground, I found myself with time on my hands and the availability to develop a new recipe. Kathy could have wallowed in defeat. Most people would if they watched so many hours of hard work burn up in flames. Instead, Truett discovered a billion-dollar idea in the ashes. What enabled Truett Kathy to successfully navigate his setbacks? The right perspective. He exchanged pessimism for possibility. He looked for the right opportunities in the uncomfortable and the unexpected. That opportunistic mindset followed Truett into his philanthropic activities. A chance encounter with a teenage boy who had lost his parents led to opportunities that have resulted in the establishment of the Chick-fil-A Windshape Center Foundation, which supports foster homes, summer camps, and college scholarships, touching the lives of thousands of children and young adults and literally saving some of them. Truett once said, We change the world and ourselves by our response to unexpected opportunities. So, I want to take a moment and I want to share with you how to develop an opportunity mindset in the face of problems and hardship. And these four points come from Stop Chasing Easy, but I, I want to really apply them to a leadership and an organizational context. So, if you want to develop an opportunity mindset, it begins by taking four steps. Number one, embrace the problem. You see, problems can be difficult, discouraging, even downright painful if we're honest, right? That's why we like to ignore them. In fact, let's just be really honest. Our tendency is to only address problems in two situations, when they're easy to solve or when they've become a crisis too big to ignore. It's in the messy middle that we pretend problems don't exist. But here's the, here's the thing we've got to remember whenever it comes to ignoring problems. When you ignore your problems, you simultaneously ignore the opportunities buried within them. So, stop pretending the problem doesn't exist. If you find yourself in that place where you just kind of want to ignore it, stop pretending it doesn't exist and instead embrace it and eliminate the paralysis it's causing in your life. So, if you're going to develop an opportunity mindset, number one, embrace the problem. Number two, examine the problem. To discover possibilities in your problems, you've got to diagnose the problem. You see, embracing the problem forces you to deal with the problem, but examining the problem gets to the root cause. So why is that important? It's important because if you don't understand what caused the problem in the first place, you're likely to repeat it, right? That's obvious. So how do you examine the problem? How do you peel back the layers and really get to the root cause of the problem? I would suggest that you start by asking why. Not once, but five times. Sakichi Toyota, founder of Toyota, developed a diagnostic approach which became popular in the 1970s. In fact, it's still used today by Toyota. And the strategy is simply this. Define a problem, 
and then ask why five times until you get to the root cause of the issue. So let me give you an example. If your problem is that you're deep in debt, then ask why five times. So for example, when you ask why, you might say, because I've maxed out my credit cards. Why? Because when I see something I like, I buy it. Why? Because I feel a need to have it. Why? Because I feel a need to impress my friends. Why? Because I've anchored my value to the approval of my friends. Bingo, right? You've just asked why five times and you've discovered the core problem. You see, without this process, you could have easily said, I'm in debt because I don't make enough money, when in reality, the size of your paycheck had nothing to do with it. So, number one, embrace the problem. Number two, examine the problem. Number three, if you're going to develop an opportunity mindset, explore the possibilities. Once you've uncovered the root cause of your problem, start exploring the possible solution or opportunity that's hidden within your problem. That's exactly what Truett Cathy did, okay? After his restaurant burned to the ground, which I think we would all agree was certainly a problem, Truett didn't just focus on reopening the store. That would have been the most obvious solution. Instead, Truett rummaged through the ashes of his problem and found a better solution. In fact, not just a better solution, but a greater possibility. Now, this is really an, an important key to developing an opportunity mindset. I want to make sure you get this. Opportunity always solves some kind of problem. Think about it. Whether it's a, a product um, that, that you purchase or, or a service that you develop, um, products and services are designed to meet a need or solve a problem. There's nothing new about that. But, but hear this, the greatest opportunities are often hijacked by the most obvious opportunities. Let me say that again. The greatest opportunities are often hijacked by the most obvious opportunities. You see, for Truett, the obvious opportunity was to rebuild the restaurant and go back to business as usual. But the obvious opportunity wasn't the greatest opportunity. The greatest opportunity was to create a new recipe that paved the way for Chick-fil-A to be born. So how do you differentiate the difference? How do you differentiate between the obvious opportunity and the greatest opportunity? Let me recommend three steps. First, create time and space for opportunity thinking. In other words, don't rush your problem solving. Create time and space to sit with the problem, learn from the problem, and explore the hidden possibilities in the problem. You see, Solving problems quickly always sounds better. And, and let's just be honest, sometimes it is. But speed can also be the enemy of progress. Why? Because speed keeps us from seeing opportunities that are hidden. Opportunities that require us to dig below the dirt of the usual and the obvious. So, so create time and space for opportunity thinking. Second, Identify the problems nobody else is solving. 
This is what sets apart the greatest solutions and opportunities. If you solve a problem that everybody else is already solving, you just become more noise in an already crowded space, right? Instead, ask yourself, what is nobody else doing that you can do? What is nobody else solving that you can solve? Third, leverage your organization's greatest strengths to solve unsolved problems. You see, you can match, when, and when you do this, it really makes a difference. When you can match your greatest strengths to the problems that aren't being solved, you benefit and the people you serve benefit. How? You benefit because you obviously stay in your sweet spot, right? And your customer or the people that you serve benefit because you're able to deliver a superior product or service that meets their need or solves their problem. So, if you're going to explore the possibilities, create time and space for opportunity thinking, identify the problems nobody else is solving, and then determine how to leverage your organization's strengths to solve those problems. Okay, we've talked about three keys to developing an opportunity mindset. Number one is embrace the problem. Number two, examine the problem. Number three, explore the possibilities. And number four, engage the possibility. It's not enough to discover the possibility, right? You must act on it. That's when opportunity comes to life. Now, here, here's what you have to recognize. There's a wise way to implement opportunities and an unwise way to implement opportunities. In his book, Great by Choice, Jim Collins describes the best way to pursue opportunities when he talks about firing bullets versus cannonballs. Jim Collins describes it like this. He writes, Picture yourself at sea, a hostile ship bearing down on you. You have a limited amount of gunpowder. You take all your gunpowder and use it to fire a big cannonball. The cannonball flies out over the ocean and misses the target, off by 40 degrees. You turn to your stockpile and discover that you're out of gunpowder. You die. But suppose instead, when you see the ship bearing down, you take a little bit of gunpowder and fire a bullet. It misses by 40 degrees. You make another bullet and fire. It misses by 30 degrees. You make a third bullet and fire, missing by only 10 degrees. The next bullet hits. Ping the hull of the oncoming ship. Now, you take all the remaining gunpowder and fire a big cannonball along the same line of sight, which sinks the enemy ship. You live. So how does Jim Collins' bullets versus cannonball analogy apply to opportunities for your organization? Well, Collins goes on, and this is how he describes it. He says, first, you fire bullets, low-cost, low-risk, low-distraction experiments, to figure out what will work, calibrating your line of sight by taking small shots. Then, once you have empirical validation, you fire a cannonball, concentrating resources into a big bet on the calibrated line of sight. Calibrated cannonballs correlate with outsized results. Uncalibrated cannonballs correlate with disaster. The ability to turn small proven ideas, that is bullets, 
into huge hits, cannonballs, counts more than the sheer amount of pure innovation. So what does this look like practically? Let me read one more passage from Jim Collins where he uses Apple as an example. This is what he writes. By 2002, the iPod remained a small part of Apple's overall portfolio, accounting for less than 3% of net sales, meriting neither a separate line item in Apple's financial statements nor a mention in the opening paragraph of the company's business description. The iPod was a very cool bullet, but a bullet nonetheless. Still, Apple had increasing empirical validation. People loved the iPod. Customers loved iTunes for the Mac. iPod sales more than doubled in a year. The music industry faced severe challenges from growth in illegally downloaded music. And Apple employees wanted an easy way to download music without stealing. So, Apple took the next step, launching an online music store and working out a deal with the music industry to offer individual songs at 99 cents. This too succeeded and Apple had more empirical validation. Millions of people would rather buy music than steal it if easy to access and fairly priced. People were clamoring for iTunes for the Windows-based personal computers and Windows had an installed base of more than 1 billion personal computers. Finally, with all this empirical validation, Apple fired the big cannonball. Now, please hear this. That's how you engage possibility. That's how you act on opportunity. You fire bullets, then cannonballs. If you do it the other way around, you're likely going to sink the ship, right? Again, you fire bullets, then cannonballs. You take low-cost, low-risk, low-distraction experiments to figure out what will work and then, once you've calibrated your line of sight, you fire the cannonball so you can see the greatest results. So let's review. The four keys to developing an opportunity mindset in the face of problems and hardship is number one, embrace the problem. Number two, examine the problem. Number three, explore the possibilities. And number four, engage the possibility. You've got to embrace the problem. You have to admit it, right? Then you've got to examine the problem. That's where you ask why five times. Then you've got to explore the possibilities that exist that are hidden within the problem. And then you've got to engage the possibility by firing bullets and then cannonballs. When you take that approach, you stop reacting to problems and you start mining those problems for the gold hidden within them. Well, I hope you enjoy today's lesson on developing an opportunity mindset. That's one of the five mindsets that I deal with in my new book, Stop Chasing Easy. And not only do I talk about mindset, I also talk about maturing your character and embracing a mission that matters and creating movement toward that mission. Those are all keys to stop chasing easy. Mindset is just one of the keys. And an opportunity mindset is just one of the mindsets that I talk about. So I hope you'll pick up a copy of the book today at stopchasingeasy.com. And when you do, remember, you'll be able to claim three free bonus resources, a four-part sermon series, a five-part small group study, 
and the Stop Chasing Easy Masterclass for Leaders. It's all available at StopChasingEasy.com, so be sure to check it out today. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of Leader Fluent, and I'll talk to you again soon.